0: Before we start the show today, I wanted to let you know that we are hosting our Franchise Sales Training Workshop on March 23rd. This is an ideal workshop for a new franchisor, a new staff member, or a franchise leader looking to gain some additional insight into the franchise sales process. You'll walk away with a clear and defined sales process and how to overcome common objections. Plus, you'll receive our 130-page workbook that comes along with it. This is a live, seven-hour session conducted all remotely so you can attend any, from anywhere, and it's just $1,500. So go to FranchiseSalesWorkshop.com to register. That's FranchiseSalesWorkshop.com to register. And now, on with the show welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, it's all about this idea of innovation. And it's such a popular term these days, and it can sometimes come across as a daunting task. You ask yourself questions like, How do you innovate in your current business or industry on a fixed budget and limited resources? I know I've asked myself that. Or how can you make it happen when you just don't know where to start or how to do it? How do you create innovation? I know these are questions I've wrestled with. And our guest today, Gardar Stefansson, who's based out of Iceland, shares with us how he has brought innovation and new ideas to a very old industry. And he started his innovation with jam. That's right, literally making changes one small bite at a time to an industry that seems to have been around forever. You're going to love his story and how he's created now the 17th largest jam company in the United States in just a few years. So let's go ahead and jump right into my interview with Gardar Stefansson.
1: Yeah, my name is uh, Gardar Stefansson. Uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder of uh, Good. Good. Uh, we are an Icelandic-based company producing no added sugar products, breakfast and brunch items, jams, uh, chocolate spreads, bars, and syrups. And yeah, that's about it.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, uh thank you so much for being here and I and I'd love for you to share a little bit about your really your history. I think uh you when you you said no no added sugars, right? And it's, so that's that's a big deal at least in in my opinion and um as a, it, it's hard to find products at least in uh the United States and maybe other parts of the world too that do not have added sugars included into it. So, talk about some of the history of what what made you want to start a business that has no added sugar.
1: Yeah, and that's a great question. So, it started in 2015. Uh, I, I mean, my entire professional career, I've been a food entrepreneur. So, I, I started <clears throat> soft companies in Iceland doing sustainable salt, and I exited that business. And my two other co founders, Aknar and Johan, approached me about this. Great idea of uh, producing stevia drop sweeteners. There was a factory here in Iceland that was doing it, and they just acquired it, and I really just wanted to spread spread that out and you know begin that business. And I was extremely interested at the point in uh, in stevia and the natural sweeteners. Uh, It was the first time I was really introduced to the the concept of you know you could replace sugar, the big culprit, with a natural solution you know i knew about the artificial sweeteners in the past my aunt is a diabetic so i tried all of the sugar free the time and honestly i i thought they were as a child you know really disgusting just to excuse my friends just to use that word and uh, and that exactly was what excited me and and them as well and uh, then we started to develop those sweeteners we were selling them but it didn't go as well as we had hoped. So we were not getting as many prospects out there. Uh, Negotiation was taking a long time. We got some sales, but still we had too much inventory. And the, at that turning point, uh, we had a couple of tons of sweeteners that are about to expire. And for a young company, that's not only bad in regards of food waste, but it's also a financial hit. So uh, we needed to do something. And uh, I remember, and I always do this every fall, I go to the mountains, I pick some blueberries in the mountains out here in Iceland, And I just remember that, you know, in that blueberry jam recipe, the sugar content is basically 60% of the entire jam. So I was just like, okay, here's an idea we can actually take those blueberries and add it with natural sweetness about to expire. And we tried that. So we got our IKEA pots and pans and decided to make it. We did the first batch one evening, tasted absolutely disgusting. Uh, so we did a couple of other ones. And about like the, the third or the fourth day trial, we actually hit the recipe. And, and then we started to do jams on an industrial level. We found co-manufacturers. And then, just a couple of years later, we are the 17th biggest jam brand in the U.S. and just expanding uh, the portfolio. So, so basically, you know, never, never stop innovating and experimenting, and and problems can actually be facilitator to great opportunities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to to be the 17th largest producer in in the United States in just a few years, that that's quite a feat. To come up and and that that means you're taking market share and I would have to imagine and I'm just going to kind of pose this as a question too but I, I would imagine that there are people who maybe weren't buying jams previously that maybe found out of a of a no added sugar option uh, that became available um, is that would you would you say that's the case how, how how has that kind of grown and been able to occur in that way.
1: Yeah, and it's a great question. And I mean, the truth is that I mean, diabetes is on the rise, and it's just everywhere. It's 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 a big problem in the US. It's a huge problem in Europe. It's it's problem in any country in the world. And uh, I believe so that you know, people will have to cut down on sugar. They will automatically stop eating jam. And looking at that category, jams, there hasn't been any innovation for like 100 years or something. You know, since they started to condense it or something, but it's like. There's not a lot of innovation, so I think that's also key. You know, we came into a category that's not specifically exciting and nothing new happening, and just started to innovate. And that, yeah, I truly believe that we we got some new customers just wanted to try a super free version. And uh, and yeah, and it's also I mean, also have to think about it from you know parents. You know, they want to be you know educated. They want to give their children you know, delicious, uh, no added sugar foods. And this is just the right way to go is to choose, you know, from the beginning products that doesn't have any added sugar. Because when you go to the supermarket, you don't go there and buy a pound of sugar. You usually just, you know, that's not longer in the, the, the cupboard. But all of these products that are out there, they're just filled with sugar. You don't even know about it. Even though they claim that they're natural and stuff like that, it's like sugar content is really high. So that's basically what we are trying to trust with, you know, our breakfast and brunch items is just replacing and substituting those high sugar products with unnatural, natural, no added sugar ones.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And, and as I understand, just from reviewing and preparing for our interview, it, looked, it you're, you're in over 2,500 stores in 16 countries around the world. I mean... That, that's substantial so uh, how how are you um, you know I, I think uh, I've worked with other entrepreneurs in the past that have new food products or new food items breaking into the retail market and getting into stores and getting shelf space is really hard you're, you're competing against oftentimes large organizations or brands that have been around for decades uh, and to your point, uh, products that have been around for a hundred plus years that that have kind of been unchanged. Uh, talk a little bit about what you did there. I think that's an that's an interesting journey to talk about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the key here is always, specifically with food, is just to have a good, just to, not only food, all products, good product. I mean, we are in this business because we want repeated purchases. I mean, we want our customers to become long, avid customers. You know buying your products again and again. So, so you cannot discount put any discount on the quality of the product. Uh, second is, I mean, branding. Food is uh, it's experience. It's storytelling. It's you're telling a story and you're also portraying who you are and, and what kind of food you eat. So it's also very important to incorporate the branding because you only have like you know, two seconds in the supermarket to get their attention, and the branding needs to be there, and people really need to associate with it, so they will also take the take the the product with them home. Uh, if you get those two right, uh, you are you know, then you have to check at least two items of maybe 100 to get into the shelves. But uh, then again, it's just a little bit dash of luck. I mean, just to be at the right moment, the right place, where the right people are. And we were, you know, we had some success in Europe. We were selling in Scandinavia and uh, in Netherlands and, and Portugal. And we were like approached by a US buyer. So we thought about, okay, maybe we should check out a trade show uh, in the States. So we went to Expo West, our first trade show in 2018. And uh, we were picked up by was uh, one of our first customers in the States. And then we just started to build through that uh, their distribution, of course, and also their key natural distributor, which is Kihi. Uh, and then we just started to learn. And I also think that's uh, something good, you know, because we just took a crash course and did, you know, so many mistakes on the way, just imaginable. But we always like, mistakes is just a part of the learning process. So fail in the, in the, in the small scale, so you can succeed in the, the big scale. And we learned a lot of lessons going there. And I think like coming in new, not afraid to ask questions, not afraid to talk to people. You know, if we didn't understand it, we just said it. We just knew we really want to succeed. You know, and just getting along, learning on the way. And uh, then of course, you know, getting more amazing people on our team to help us grow and and scale and and, and do better. So so it, it has been a quite long journey of four years now, I think. Uh, but it's just about you know never stop learning. You know the industry is always changing. It's always something new, and it doesn't have to be a disadvantage if you don't know anything about the business. You just have fresh set of eyes.
0: Yeah. Just as long yeah. as you ask
1: the right questions.
0: You talked about kind of growing and getting in with a uh, a chain and a brand such as Meijer, and then growing from there. Uh, I could imagine um, production issues could. Happen if you start getting a lot of orders for, for, for fulfillment, and the last two years in particular, the supply chain has been a mess globally. It's just been a, a real challenge for any business. And then you couple on the fact that I'm sure there there could be temptation to use alternative products or supplies when you're going into your direction. So talk through what what how you've managed that and and stayed the course
1: yeah and i mean that's a great question so i mean we started in iceland which is probably one of the smallest countries in the world you know it, it, it just doesn't make sense to produce food products here unless they are originated from iceland but we innovate and design and develop all of our products here and then we produce the products in the netherlands which is like a hub for almost everything in europe and the outer world so so By doing that, we could find great producers that could scale with us. So we started small, you know, we're really stressed about the quantities, and then we have been growing. So we always try to select co-manufacturers that can scale with us. So that's one key factor why we can deliver to the, uh, the bigger chains in the U.S. and also around the globe. Talking about the supply chain issues, uh, I mean, uh, COVID started, of course, in uh, you know 2019, but really hit Europe in 2020, and then US, you know, one or two weeks later. I was actually in US when they were closing the borders, and uh, uh, so, so we had always great relationship. We we source our sweeteners from Asia. For example, so so we we have great relationship with all of our suppliers and co-manufacturers, and we talk to them, you know, almost not if not daily then weekly. And uh, we were aware of the situation in Asia with COVID, so we decided to order a lot of quantities because we only thought it's going to be you know closing on the Asian market to uh, Europe and USA. So we did that in January 2020, and then we had. You know, ships on the water filled with uh, raw materials to produce our products. Uh, and then COVID hit Europe. But then we had, you know, we had all the raw materials, the fruits, of course, all from Europe. So we were able to to save that sea, you know, with quite good inventory that helped us also succeed. Uh, because, you know, at the time, it was just about, you know, those who had stock could deliver. And uh, then we, of course, had the stock. and. But at the same time, the, the retailers stopped taking meetings. You know, They didn't invite any new products to come in. They just kept with their categories. So nothing changed in the supermarket sales for about a year or more. Then we, of course, uh, had the e-commerce. And we already had invested there and we had the platform ready. We, we are doing quite well on Amazon. So we just shifted the focus on e-commerce and then we could grow quite a lot. And, and sell quite a lot of products and increase the turnover. So basically, it's, it's just the same. Don't have all the same eggs in the same basket. And uh, being lean and agile and, you know, always willing to change. You know, don't always think about a uh, plan and, and stick to it because sometimes you just need to adjust to reality and you need to make your organization also be able to to change rapidly when certain pandemics or whatever happens. So that's just key DNA in our team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you used the word agile that I think is certainly becoming a little bit more of a buzzword today in, in uh, just the business community in general. But uh, being agile, agile uh, is uh, critical and being able to make those localized decisions. So were you working with your suppliers or your co-producers in these different regions and countries? Uh, how How are you actively communicating through that?
1: Yeah, it depends on the area. I mean, we are we are quite global company, and I mean, being from such a small population like us, we just had to depend on the outer world for everything. So I, I think it's just part of our culture is just to be open and frank and honest and just like we need this. Uh, can we fix it? So so we 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 and then we adapt to different cultures. So. Uh, in in Asia, we you know have emails and they're very formal and and you know it take a long time to go through because the time difference is so huge. But then you know we also use WeChat, you know, and that's where you get at least from our suppliers that get, you get all the real answers there. What's happening with the supply chain? Yes, we had a big problem here. You don't see that in a formal email from a company. So we've been you know using the right platforms to communicate, trying to get the real uh, information at real time. Uh, in Europe, I mean, it's quite frank uh, and honest conversation there. You just, if there's a problem, they will tell you immediately. And uh, they pretty much often on time. And uh, in the US, I mean, there's it's not a lot of big cultural differences, in my opinion, but it works the same way. If you just open and upfront about any problems, delays, or anything, as soon as you know, you convey that message, then you just get respect you know, backward and an honest opinion. And if you deliver, when you say you deliver, uh, then, then you're, in my opinion, that's been a really good step for us in, in that, you know, efforts.
0: Interesting. So even communicating to your clients and your customers and letting them know, we're going to be, our shipment's going to be delayed. Here's the expectation. It's been revised, keeping that open line of communication. And then when you say we can fulfill X number of orders by a certain date and then fulfilling that, whatever orders you're able to produce and then deliver that, it it further enhances or develops that relationship. That that's very interesting. Um and, and is that how things have still been continuing as the, the uh do we continue to have the issues with supply chain?
1: Yeah we are at least seeing a stabilization in that regard. I mean prices are skyrocketing on all all raw materials and um, hoping they will stabilize in the middle of this year, 2022. But uh, but yeah, they are. I, in my opinion, they are stabilizing. I think the packaging industry is, is starting to achieve equilibrium. Uh, but the prices are quite high, and that's what we as consumers will, you know, by the end of the day, see rise quite high until that will stabilize as well. But yeah, I would say that. But with uh, the recent events, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, we'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah, well it's it's interesting. I have a, a good friend who's in he's a food manufacturer. He war, he runs a food manufacturing company and one of their key ingredients is wheat. And given the situation in with uh Russia and Ukraine, they're two of the five largest producers of wheat in the world. He just said it's the pricing it was already high and now this conflict and what's going on there is just really it, thrown it even in a in a bigger Uh, uh, challenge. So um, it's really interesting to see how all of this is going to play out. Um, Well, uh, what I'd love to do at this point here is transition to our little formula for the show. And we like to ask every guest before they go the same four questions. And the first question we like to ask at our is, has there been a miss or two along the way and something you've learned from it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, since I graduated graduated from university, I mean uh, I've been a food entrepreneur. And a definite miss there is uh, I, I I basically as a young male, I thought I was Superman. I could do everything best. I was I always knew better and I you know I had the right answers and you know and by the end of the day that didn't serve me or anyone else in my team really well you know it's like uh, i i i made some wrong decisions and also i think that it can cause burnout if you have so much you know believe in yourself of course it's really important to believe in your own capabilities and uh, it's really important to just you know know that you are not always with all the answers it's nothing wrong with you know finding out and getting more talents on board and just, you know, if someone is best in something, just try to get that from that person, you know? So, so that, uh, that's, that's miss. I learned in a way uh, just to surround myself with, uh, you know, smarter people than myself. That's a, yeah, it's not a big threshold for that.
0: Yeah, yep, yep. I I totally understand that one for sure. And well, let's look at it from the other side. How about a make or two? You've had a lot of uh, successes and makes in your career. Are there others you'd like to share that kind of stood out?
1: Absolutely. I I mean, and at the same time, it also holds hands with what I've been saying this entire uh, time. It's just like, you know, we're not afraid of experimenting and innovating and doing mistakes and reflecting and learning and, you know, and that's a key parameter in any startup or scale of businesses to you know take the risk, you know, but just do it in you know if you can do it in small scale, then 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 you don't affect the entire business. so 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 that's a make we have done like with the jam I pointed out earlier, that was a, a, a kind of risky, but uh, and also it was an experiment that was totally out of uh, the business box we had built around what we should focus on. And we do this every day. I mean, we are introducing new peanut butter now that is just uh, amazing product. And, uh, you know, it's not a jam and, you know, focusing on breakfast and brunch and, and, and you know, doing something creative every day. And it, you don't have to depend it on new products either. I mean, it's just about running the operations, being clever and communicate with your Chinese supplier on WeChat, you know, get the answers right away. Don't wait. 24 hours for a formal email about the status. So it's just about being innovative and trying to get the right answers and communicating in an honest and direct way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And how about this idea of a multiplier? We had such a broad uh, set of responses from guests that have been on. Is there a multiplier or two that stands out that you've used as you've grown?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, people is there a key. And I think that what we have always done you know, is specifically on a later stages because we were just the co-founders in the beginning then we started to hire and, and build the team around us is to find people that are just much better in doing what you thought you were good at and just getting them on board and you know and see them you know accept uh, whatever task there is and just multiplying the entire growth and scope of that different segments and just like building on that is key for us. And we have been really successful and lucky and targeted in, in selecting our team members uh, going forward. So I think that's absolutely key. I mean, by the end of the day, of course, products and brands and everything really matters. But if you have the right talent on board, you can reach to the stars. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and the final question we like to ask every guest is what does success mean to you?
1: I mean, as a food entrepreneur, uh I mean, success for me is by the end of the day if if our products that we are striving to make and you know focusing on every day, if they give people added value in terms of taste, nutrition and health, I mean, that's uh that's what I love. That's success for me by the end of the day. And just seeing that grow and seeing more people enjoy it, I think that's really amazing and i just like sometimes i just go on amazon.com and just read i mean we have 5,000 reviews on our jams i i don't understand why there's so many people but i love them all uh you know writing a review about our jams but i just go in there just to get the feedback to see what people are saying and it's really just i love it and uh you know seeing that grow and you know going to the supermarket and building on that and you know
0: Yeah. Well, well, I love what you're doing. Certainly it's something I I have three kids and trying to help teach them healthy eating habits. It's so easy to be to purchase uh, junk food or treats and sweets and even foods you don't even know are t- treats or sweets. You may not even realize it. So I love what you're doing and producing a quality product with no added sugars. I think in and, and just providing to the general consumer a convenient way to have another option to use and explore. And so with that, I'd love for you to just kind of share how, how can someone that's maybe listening in, uh, you mentioned Amazon, how, where can they find your products to learn a little bit more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, online, Amazon, our on, own website, walmart.com, uh, in stores, we're in about 6,000 stores in the U.S., Meyer, Publix, Albertsons, Safeway, uh, SafeMart. Uh, we have a store locator
0: on our website, goodgood.net
1: and, uh, yeah. And, but you can find us online. All information is there.
0: Well, great. Well, and as we bring this to a close, is there anything you were hoping to share that maybe you haven't had a chance to yet?
1: Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the most hardest question, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are launching peanut butter. I think I said it already in the interview. It's going uh, to be a game changer, I think. No, okay. It's going to be quite pretty good.
0: Gardar, thank you so much for a fantastic interview. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So takeaway number one is when Gardar talked to us about how he uses the right platforms and communication methods to communicate with his customers. And I thought that was excellent. He talked about how he was being honest and upfront and it made a big difference. And he said doing business with his European clients and American clients that he needs to be direct and upfront and communicate in in those kinds of ways. And when he's doing business with his Asian clients and, and vendors and suppliers, he said it's a little more formal where there's email communication and formal communication going on there. Takeaway number two comes from when he talked about a miss that he had, which was when he was young, that he thought he was Superman and that he had all the answers. And so he thought, he said, it's important you want to believe in yourself, but it's also important to recognize that you don't know everything and don't have all the answers. And takeaway number three is kind of tied into that miss that he shared where he talked about the idea of reflecting and learning. So taking this idea and the time to reflect and learn from things that you've done, from the makes that you've had and those misses as well. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win really is this idea to be innovative and be willing to take risks. Gardar took a very old industry and found a way to see opportunities for something new. How can you do this for your own business? What can you do to take risks? But maybe just to start on a small scale. Innovation and risk risk taking, they, they don't have to be a bet the farm strategy. Where can you implement new innovation or just maybe some small adjustments in your company maybe this week? or this month, Uh, and same thing for our own business. And just as a recommendation or something for you to implement immediately here, maybe take this idea of innovation on a small, small scale and add this to your next quarterly planning session or your next leadership meeting as a discussion point and talk about it.